But could you imagine what it would be like to live fully and completely alive? Not going through the motions in any part of our life, but living life abundant and to its very full. This morning is all about an invitation into that kind of life. We experience life in all of its goodness and all of its fullness. As a church, we recognize that God has called us to make Jesus known. And over this message and the next few messages, I'm going to spend a bit of time just unpacking a bit of what that looks like, what that means for us as a congregation, so that we have a sense together of where God is taking us over the course of the next number of years together. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to be able to dive into these things and just to, to clarify and reset some of the vision of where we're moving forward in the years to come. Now, typically when we hear the phrase, make Jesus known, the first response for many of our hearts is that we assume this means telling people who don't know Jesus about Jesus, taking the truth of Jesus locally and all around the world, and it is that. That's a vital and an essential part of what this means, and we're going to talk all about that next week. But that's not where it begins. It begins with this process and the concept of making Jesus known in every part of who we are. It's about making Jesus known to the deepest parts of our heart and our mind and our soul and our life and our relationships and to our experience as a congregation together. It's about Jesus living and abiding fully in us and us living and abiding in the fullness of who he is. And so this morning, I'm just really excited about a great morning that we get this opportunity to navigate this together and just understand Jesus' invitation to come to him to live life abundant and full in who he is. Let's just pray together as we start this off. <clears throat> Jesus, we are here for you. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. Would you come and fill us afresh and anew with your presence and with your spirit? Would you make yourself known to us? Give us a passion and a vision for walking with you in faithfulness and fullness. And Jesus, would you take this time, would you protect it, would you clarify it, would you make clear to our hearts and our minds what it looks like to have you known in every part of who we are? And would you fill us with a longing and a desire for more of you? We just consecrate this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' longing and his intention for each and every one of us is that we would live life abundant and full in the richness of all that he intends it to be. And when we hear this, we often think about getting an abundant kind of life kind of just handed to us, maybe in a box or in some kind of impractical, maybe impersonal sort of way. We imagine that God could just give it to us. But the interesting thing about Jesus is that Jesus is life. All life emanates out of his being and out of his presence. All that is good and right and holy and full pours out of him. And so to live life abundant and to the very full, we can't have it without a deep and a personal relationship with Jesus. The more fully connected we are to him, the more we abide and live in him, the more we experience this life. And so he invites us to know it and to know him in a deep and a personal way. And again, Jesus knows that he wants to make this really clear to his disciples, to all of us who would follow him ever. And so in John chapter 15, he lays out a really good illustration for us of what it means that we would live and abide in this deep kind of life and relationship with him. He says to us in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And again, Jesus illustrates this because he wants to be very clear what this abundant life in him is supposed to look like. 
And again, because vines and vineyards were very common in their time, he uses the illustration of a vine and its branches. I think if he were here today with us in Grand Prairie, he would probably say, I am the tree and you are the branches, because we, we would be more familiar with that particular kind of an image. And we know what this means and looks like, right? As a branch is connected into the tree, it flourishes and it thrives. It comes to life and fulfills all that it is supposed to. It draws life out of the tree. The sap from the tree flows in and through it, bringing nourishment. The roots of the tree pull nutrients up out of the ground, and it produces life in the branch to bring leaves or fruit if it's a a fruit-bearing tree. This is the goodness of what happens when a branch is nicely attached to the tree. And Jesus is saying to us, this is how life is supposed to be. If we live our life fully attached to him, longing and abiding in him, his life flows in and through us, and we have everything that we need. In him we have peace and joy and strength and wisdom and capacity. And in him we have the abundance of God living right alongside of us. And it's meant to be this deep, intimate kind of relationship where we live and abide in Him, and He lives and abides in us with His life flowing in us and through us. And likewise, we recognize that if a branch falls off a tree, maybe in a good Grand Prairie windstorm, it breaks off and falls to the ground, or maybe you're trimming your trees and you cut a branch off, we recognize that this branch will wither and it will die because it's separate from the tree that gives it its life. And Jesus says to us, this is exactly how life works. If we cut ourselves off from the presence of Jesus, he is life, and we will wither and we will die. Or if you even think about it, in parts of our life, maybe we restrict the movement of God in our lives, and we will only allow him to work to a certain level or in certain ways or in the way that we desire. When we restrict the flow of the life of God into us, it hinders the fullness of who we could be. And those parts of our life begin to wither. Those parts of our life might get sick. They may even begin to die because they don't have the essential life flowing through them that is necessary. And so Jesus invites us into this kind of relationship, this beautiful life-giving space where we live and we abide in him. This is what he is calling us into because the Christian life isn't just about behavior. It isn't just about coming to church. It isn't just about doing a whole bunch of good things. It is about living and abiding in a deep and life-giving relationship with Jesus. It's about making him known to every single part of who we are and knowing him to the fullest extent that is possible that we can throughout the whole course of our life. It's about this beautiful journey that we get to take with Jesus to make him known to every part so that all of us comes to life, so that all of us flourishes as it was meant to, as the life and the presence of God flows in us and through us. This is his very best for us. And so we embrace things like devotional practices and church attendance and uh, obedience to God. All of these things we embrace for the purpose of knowing Jesus, not just to do the right things. There are means to the end of Christ and the fullness of his presence flowing in us and us living and abiding in him the fullest that we possibly can. Now this might seem maybe a little bit theoretical, And so let's look at a practical, a real-life example of how this played out in one person's life to kind of give us a concrete sense of what this is supposed to be like. Now, Saul was a powerful man. Saul was an influential man. Saul was a man of significance who was following God as fully as he could as he understood God to be. He was faultless in following through on all of the restrictions of what he thought it took to follow God. But in Saul's heart, there were some really ugly things. It was a streak of anger 
and bitterness. There was a hostility there that was remarkable. For example, Saul stood as they stoned a man named Stephen to death, throwing big rocks at him. He stood over delighting that this man died because he saw him in opposition to what he thought was right. We read passages where Saul is described as, it says things like this, Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Later, Saul is described as still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He's kind of the quintessential picture of the person that you would imagine being the furthest possible person from following Jesus. He's out to destroy Jesus, his church, and everything that Jesus stands for. He even gets uh, like the right and the ability to go to another community so that he can terrorize Christians there. But while he's on his way on this evil task, Jesus appears to him. Jesus comes to him in a radiant blast of flashing light and says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in one moment, in one instance, as Saul sees the goodness of the presence of God, as he begins to know Jesus, the whole course of his life is changed. And Saul takes a number of years to just sit back and understand who Jesus is. He engages with the church so he can be taught and developed and discipled to understand more of this new way of life that God is bringing him into. And then he moves forward and shifts drastically from someone who would do anything to destroy Jesus and his work to being someone who would do absolutely anything to see the kingdom of God move forward to make sure that everyone everywhere has the possibility to know Jesus and experience relationship with him. His whole life shifts. He's now willing and able to sacrifice and to suffer and go through all kinds of hard things just so that people have the chance to know Jesus because he's so passionate about who he is. Saul's character changes. He shifts from being someone who is breathing out murderous threats against the people of God and thinking that that's the right way to follow God to being someone who is able to say that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God living within them is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And Saul writes probably what is the most powerful description of love that has ever been written in human history. His character shifts to this kind of extent. And the presence and the life of Jesus flows through him in so much power and in so much goodness that as Saul prays for people and touches them, countless numbers of them are healed and set free and set right in the presence of God. He writes over half of the New Testament And every single one of our lives today are still impacted by the obedience that he lived day in and day out as he pursued Jesus, striving to make him known to every single part of his soul and to his being. This is the difference that it can make. This is a tangible example of what it looks like to make Jesus known to every single part of who we are when we don't restrict in any way the movement of God within our heart or our mind or our soul or our being or our relationships or any part of our aspect of our lives as we give him everything and allow him to fill everything. Anything is possible. I'm reminded with the story of Saul that he would have been the person that we would have assumed would have been the farthest from a relationship with Jesus. And maybe for some of us, there's someone in our lives, or maybe you're that person who would believe that you are the farthest person possible from Jesus. But this story reminds us that grace and mercy and redemption can come to absolutely anybody. And maybe for some of us this morning, there's a particular area or a couple of areas of your life. 
And these things are just stubborn and resistant. They feel so far away from God. The story reminds us that nothing is past redemption. Nothing is past the powerful and the beautiful movement of God as we give Him space to live in and through us. And again, this is Paul's unique personal gifting and calling, and our lives will never look exactly the same. But I wonder what it could look like if my life and your life and our life as a congregation was fully and completely submitted to Jesus. If we were on a passionate journey to make Jesus known to every single part of who we are, if we were discontent to leave any part of our life untouched by the presence of God, and if we gave ourselves into a relentless pursuit of more and more and more of Jesus, what could that look like? What would change? Again, I think it would be many things, but certainly our character would change. Our character would shift. Again, right now in the life of our congregation, probably the most dangerous hindrance to our full and complete commitment to Jesus is that we have been profoundly tainted by our culture. We live in a culture that says day in and day out that the abundant life is found as I get everything that I want because life is all about me. And as a church, we are profoundly impacted by this, the by this theology, by this thinking, by this particular philosophy of life. And it plays out in all kinds of ways. It plays out in our marriages. It plays out in our work. It plays out in all of our friendships. It plays out in our relationships. And it even plays out in church. It makes us bitter and resentful and prideful and selfish. It makes us discontent with everyone and everything. And for example, in our life as a congregation together, it may play out in the concept that we believe the church is here for us. That everything is meant to go exactly the way that we would like it to go. We feel a level of frustration and maybe even resentment when the church doesn't flow exactly in the way that we think it is supposed to. Because we've given into this philosophy of our age that everything is about me and my fulfillment and my desires and my ambition. But you see, as we invest ourselves in Jesus and as his life flows in us and through us, we begin to look more and more like Jesus. And Jesus lived out exactly the opposite philosophy. He is the fullness of Lord and God, and he gave up everything for me and for you. He lowered and he humbled himself, suffering the extremity of death by crucifixion so that we could have life. And as Jesus becomes known in every part of my life and every part of your life and every part of our life, we will begin to look more and more like him, to be the kind of people who are willing to give of ourselves for the betterment of someone else, to be the kind of people who live not seeking to consume everything that we long for for us, but people who love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and with all of our strength, and people who love everyone around us in the same way that we love ourselves. It shifts the entire dynamic of every relationship that we ever have or ever will have our character would begin to change, to begin to reflect his heart and his character. I remember a number of years ago, uh, there was an elderly man who was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And in the last few weeks of his life, he gave his life to Jesus. And I remember his wife saying that she could not believe the change in him. She couldn't believe the change in his character. She couldn't believe the change in the way that he related to her and to everybody else. I remember her saying things like, now he actually have, has the capacity to care for me. Now he has the capacity to love me. Now he is gentle. Now he is kind. 
Now, there's a powerful difference that's taken place in our relationship. This is a decades-long marriage. I remember around the funeral, comments being made like, could you imagine what would have happened had he given his life to Jesus earlier? Could you imagine what the content of that marriage would have been? Could you imagine the impact on his children and on his grandchildren who would have lived an entirely different life and experience of their father, their husband, and their grandfather had he just submitted to Jesus so much earlier? And in my life and in your life, I keep asking the question, how much is possible if we would just give Jesus access now? How much could be possible if we would surrender every part of ourselves into the hands of a loving and a perfect God and allow Him to flow His life in us and through us? If we were passionate to make Jesus known in every part of our life and our thoughts and our perspective and every relationship that we have, what kind of a difference would that make? Again, our lives and this community and this world would be forever changed. Our character would be radically shifted if we engage with God to this particular kind of a level. Again, certainly our character would be changed, but also as we experience the sense of knowing Jesus in all of us, our life personally and our life as a congregation would shift from what we can do in our own strength and in our own capacity to what we can do with the fullness of the life of Jesus in its unlimited nature flowing in us and through us. And as I say this, I think about so many different glimpses I've got to see of what this looks like. I think about the different times when we have prayed for people, and not every time, but so many times when we've prayed for people and instantly pain has been gone. I think about the times that we have prayed for couples who were unable to conceive and they now have beautiful children. I think about the spaces where God has brought peace to troubled minds and freedom to tormented souls. I think about the spaces where God continues to pour out His grace and His goodness in miraculous power. Because with Jesus, anything is possible. As the life and presence of Jesus flows in and through us, anything can change. I remember one communion Sunday a few years ago where we were coming forward for communion as we're about to do it in a few minutes. And an older woman in the congregation was coming forward and the presence of God just moved in her in some way. She was coming down the aisle and she'd been struggling with a lot of arthritis pain. And she just said to Jesus, Jesus, would you just heal me? Would you just deal with this? And by the time she'd received communion and gone back to her seat, the pain was gone and it never came back. Again, because where the presence of Jesus is, anything is possible. And I can't help but wonder how much more would we experience freedom and joy and healing and the miraculous? How much more would we experience abundance and fullness if we allowed the presence of God in an unhindered way to flow in us and through us? if we were passionate to have Jesus known in every part of our spirits and souls and bodies and our hearts and our minds and our relationships and in all of our will. And can you imagine what our minds would be like if our minds were saturated with the presence of Jesus? How much wisdom would we know? How much clarity could we have? How much purity would flow through our thoughts? How much more would we understand life and the way that we should go? And what would our life individually and our life as a church look like if we lived in the midst of this culture being devoured by loneliness as people who had a constant lived experience of a God who says that he will never leave us and never forsake us? And if we lived as a church that he intended us to be as this beautiful community where we get to live life together day in and day out. Again, this is just a glimpse of what could be possible if Jesus was made known in the fullness of who we are. 
And over the course of the next number of months and years, this is where we are going in this radical pursuit of Jesus and the fullness of who He is because nothing else will ever satisfy, because nothing else will ever make us whole, because nothing else is ever worth the fullness of our life and the investment that we can make, but only the presence of Jesus. And I have to warn you here and now, this will be costly, and it isn't always easy. It will mean certainly for me and for you that there will always be times where we don't get what we want because there is no maturity without sacrifice. It will mean that there are spaces where we need to offer up ourselves for the betterment of someone else because this is what the nature and character of Jesus looks like. And we can't live in his fullness without being conformed to his likeness. And there's always a cost involved, but it is always infinitely worth it because Jesus is just so worth it regardless of what the journey takes and what things look like. And so how do we do this? How do we move from where we are in this particular moment in time to living as people who make Jesus known in all of us, who live and abide in him in the fullness of the life of Jesus? And the really good news is that Jesus does all of the hard work. Jesus is eager and present and waiting, and he will transform us and breathe fresh and new life into us. He will bring change beyond anything that we could possibly imagine or know. And we can't possibly sum up the willpower or the strength in and of ourselves But in his grace, Jesus is willing to come and live and abide in me and in you and in us and meet us even in our most broken and destructive places and bring transformation and change and abundance and healing. But because he's God and because he's remarkably good, he also gives us a role to play. Jesus will never push you or me or us any further than we are willing to go. And so the first thing that we have to do to experience this is we have to give Jesus access. We have to be willing to allow the presence of God to flow into us and through us. We have to take our hands off of the place where we are restricting the flow of Jesus' life within us. And be willing to say, Lord, this is my life. Would you take it all? Would you meet me in all of my relationships and in all of my desires and in all of my ambitions and in the way that I use all of my time and all of my resources? Would you meet with me in every part of my life? I give it to you with no restrictions at all. And as we do that, in his grace and his mercy, he's willing to flow into every single part of us and move and work and lead us on this beautiful transformational journey where we get to know Jesus in all of us and to move forward with him. And so the first thing that we have to do is to give him access, to welcome him in to every part of who we are. And the second thing that we need to do is we need to actually pursue him. We need to move forward and invest ourselves in a relentless pursuit of the desire for more of Jesus. Again, the Apostle Paul puts this beautifully. He wrote to the church and to us, saying to us, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Again, for Paul, absolutely everything was thrown into this relentless pursuit of more and more and more of Jesus. And even after all of these years of knowing Jesus and walking with him and following him, Paul just couldn't get enough. He cries out with those words, I want to know Jesus. 
After he's already traveled the world and healed countless numbers of people and preached the gospel everywhere, he keeps saying, there's more and more and more that I want to know. And so Paul sets all of his desires and his ambitions and his reputation and his comfort and his safety and his security and what everyone else will think of him totally aside and says, all of this I would consider garbage if I could just have more of Jesus. It doesn't matter what it looks like and it doesn't matter what it costs. I want to know Jesus in the fullness of the glory and the power of his resurrection and I'm even willing to know Jesus in the fullness of what it means to join him in the fellowship of his suffering. Paul says, I want all of it if I can get more of Jesus. This is a beautiful and an inspirational glimpse into what it looks like to begin to know Jesus. And again today, if you're not in that place and if this scares you a little bit, that's really okay. Because as you see Jesus and as you know him more, the fear begins to melt away. As we recognize the wonder of his character and the glory of his person, our hesitancy moves back to the back seat and we hardly think about it anymore. And Jesus is gracious and patient and compassionate. And he wants to take me and you and all of us from where we are in this current moment and lead us on this journey so that someday we could say like Paul, I don't care what I lose, I don't care what it costs, I don't care what it takes, Jesus is infinitely worth it and I just want so much more of him. Again, this is an invitation into life abundant and to its very full. This is an invitation to make Jesus known in every single part of our life and our relationships and our being in every facet of who we are as a congregation. This is a really good gift of God's grace. So he's inviting us from where we are now to live in the fullness of what he is calling us into. And there isn't any more significant way for us to recognize this or to embrace this calling than through communion. Because in communion, we recognize and we see that Jesus has already done everything that is necessary. He has done everything that's necessary for our salvation. He's done everything that's necessary for us to be sanctified and to be made whole and to be made holy. He's done everything necessary to change my heart and mind and yours to make it this kind of pursuit of his presence. And in communion, we say that it, Jesus is worth the effort. As we come towards the elements, we are saying, Jesus, you are worth it, and I'm willing to make whatever effort you are calling me to make to know you and to experience you and to walk with you. And in communion, we also say, as we take these elements that represent the presence of God and take them into our very being, we are symbolically saying, Jesus, I want to know you in the deepest places of my being. Jesus, I want to know you in all of me. Would you come and would you fill me? And in communion, we have this really good gift, a gift of time and space to just reflect and to calibrate our lives around the truth that this is who God is and this is the wild and life-giving invitation that he is calling us into. We have an opportunity and space to deal with areas of sin in our lives where we recognize that there are things that are hindering our walk with God to just bring these things to him, to confess them and to receive his forgiveness for them. We have this really good moment where the Spirit of God can challenge us in the ways that we're not really pursuing Him, where he, where he can reveal to us the ways that we have given into the lies and the philosophy of the culture around us, that getting our own way will make us whole, and where we have the opportunity once again to submit all of our will and our desires to Jesus and say, would you conform these to be what you want them to be? For some of us this morning, maybe this is that moment where you recognize you know a whole lot about Jesus, but you don't actually yet know him. 
And maybe this is that moment for you to just say, Jesus, I want to start a real and a life-giving relationship with you. And for many of us this morning, this is that moment where God is going to ask you to take your hands off and let go of the ways that you are constricting the movement and the flow of his presence so that his life can freely move in you and through you into the lives of others. So let's just take a few moments with Jesus and just process whatever it is that he wants to say to us. Today, Jesus invites us to life abundant and very full. But we can't experience life in its abundance or all of its fullness without this deep, intimate, personal connection with Jesus where we live and abide in him. And so in communion, we will embrace this living picture of Jesus' fullness and perfect sufficiency for everything. And in a minute, I'm going to invite you to, to come forward and you kind of move towards the right-hand side aisle and come down to receive the elements. And as you come, this is a living picture of our commitment saying to Jesus, you are worth the effort. And I'm willing to embrace whatever effort you are calling me into to experience you and the fullness of the life that you offer to me. And as you come forward, we'll offer the elements to you. And again, these elements represent the presence of Jesus to us. As you take these elements and take them into yourself, you're again symbolically saying to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to come and be known in every part of me. Would you come and fill me? And again, to whatever extent you are able to do that, I encourage you to embrace these moments as a really good gift, even if it's just a cry to Jesus, Jesus, I want to want you with all of me. Teach me how. 
And then again, as we go back around to our seats, we are symbolically saying that we trust the sufficiency of Jesus to meet us in every moment and in every circumstance as we move forward from this moment through to the next and the next and the next day and the year after that. Again, Jesus invites us into his presence as a really good and a gracious gift. I like to call the elders and those who are serving as to come forward to their spaces now. And again, if for some reason, for mobility reasons, or if you've got a whole pile of kids with you and you just can't make it to the front, that's totally okay. Uh, just raise your hand and a couple of roaming elders around the back will find you uh, and they'll engage with you to uh, bring the elements to you as well. And if you're joining us online, I'd encourage you, if you need to, just to pause me right here and I'll try not to make a funny face uh, and just go ahead, grab some juice, grab some bread, grab whatever it is that you need to be able to engage and experience this moment with us as well. And again, today if you're here and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, or today if you're here and you know that there's just a really hard resistance in your soul to what God is inviting you into and you're not willing or able to move forward at all at this moment in time, I would encourage you just to kind of stay where you are, just process. No one's going to judge you or criticize you, and if they do, that's their own problem. Um, I just want to encourage you just to engage with this moment in a healthy way. Again, we don't want to take this, uh, these elements in a way that is unhealthy for us, and so Jesus invites us to come as we know him and as we are willing to continue to pursue him. And so as you are ready, this is Jesus' invitation that we would come to him for life abundant and very full. And as we come, we are saying, Jesus, you are worth whatever effort it takes to know you and to live life with you. As we partake of the elements, we are saying, Jesus, I want to receive you into all of me. Would you be known in every part of who I am? So come as you're ready.